You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. You're listening to The Sports Fix. All right, I am here. Aaron is here and Tommy is here. This show is presented by Window Nation. If you're in the market for windows, call 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com and tell them that we told you to call. I uh, didn't do a show yesterday. Um, don't worry about it. You know, we're, we're here. Do you know, Aaron, I believe this is true. Correct me if I'm wrong. But I believe it's the first day that we haven't done a show that wasn't like a holiday since we started the podcast in September. I feel like there might have been one other day that you weren't feeling great. Really? Into it. Yeah, I, I vaguely remember that happening one, one I other thought, time. I thought we took a day, like the day, we took Christmas Eve. No, we did a Christmas Eve show because right. there was a game that day. Yeah. Or a day, game the day before. Whatever. Um, anyway, uh, we're here today. And for those of you that missed us yesterday, we appreciate that. It's nice to be missed. You usually post. Uh, and and it's so it was uh, very good to hear some of you uh, actually miss the show. But I'm glad that the first show of the week is actually with you. Because you were busy this weekend. Yes, I was. You were busy writing stuff and, <laughs> and breaking news yes. for, for all intents and purposes, which we'll get to in a minute. But I wanted to just tell you that I, I think I told you this, I don't know, Two months ago, I told you that I was getting these migraines, which I had yesterday. Um, one or two every month, like these severe migraines. And so had some tests done, but basically the neurologist said, you got to go get a sleep study done because it could be sleep apnea that's causing this. And I don't sleep well. Do you sleep well? Uh, sometimes. I'd say I'd say on and off. Overall, I I don't have a problem with my sleep. Once in a while, I don't sleep well, but uh, I usually do. How many hours a night do you sleep? Well, it depends. Like last night, I, I mean, I went to the game last night that got rained out. Oh, we'll talk about so that. So by, by the time I got home uh, and went to bed, I had like four four and a half five hours sleep. Okay. I mean, but I mean, like if I'm what I I really try to get eight hours. Whew. I can't tell you the last time I had eight. I can't tell you the last time I had seven. My average is around five a night. Oh, if I don't have to get up, yeah, you know, there's that there's that six a.m. wake up uh, where your internal body tells you that you better get up and do something. You know, <laughs> yeah. And once you once I do that and then go back to bed for the second sleep, that second sleep is as deep as you can possibly imagine and it, sometimes it could be three hours. i slept till 10 o'clock the other day oh my god that second sleep sometimes on a weekend yeah when you wake up because i have been stuck in this routine for a long time now getting up pretty early um and sleeping really on average five hours a night um which isn't enough you know uh, and i and i understand that i'm trying to on the weekends though you know if i'll get a, if i get up at say 5 45 and I'll go down and I'll read the paper, make some coffee, you know, take the dog for a walk and then come back and start to doze. Now that's, that's a deep sleep, that's right? That's better than the sleep oh, I just oh, got. Absolutely. The, I don't know why that is, the but it's the true. second sleep is, is deep, baby. So anyway, I had this neurologist say you gotta get this sleep study done. So the, it was scheduled for the first time, I don't know, two or three months ago. I blew it off. Of course. <laughs> Just didn't want to do it. We don't need no stinking sleep study. <laughs> then the second time, I think I blew it off. I think I mentioned it to Cooley. He's like, no, no, you got to get that done. And then a bunch of people tweeted me, no, Sheehan, you really got to get that done. 
Like it's, it could change everything about your life and your sleep and the whole thing. Cause people tweeted me and said, I had it done. I didn't want to get it done, but it was totally worthwhile. So anyway, to make a long story short, last night was the third schedule of it. And I decided to go because there weren't any games on. There wasn't anything that I was necessarily missing. So I went in. Tommy? Was your bookie closed like yesterday? Was that the reason? <laughs> uh, there was certainly not much to, to think <laughs> about last night. Um, I don't know how in the hell they could have learned anything about the way I sleep because I couldn't sleep. I, I swear to God, there's no less than 15 to 20 things attached to your body. You know, wires, cords, things that are patched up. I couldn't sleep at all. <laughs> at all. I maybe fell asleep two times for an hour tops. Hour and a half, maybe. And then, by the way, hello, here comes wake-up call at 5 a.m. <laughs> I could not wait to get out of there. I don't know how they could have learned anything about my sleep last night I don't know how anybody could sleep with all that shit all over you. I mean, seriously, it was uncomfortable. The bed was fine. The technician, the people, the nurse, whatever, they were all very nice. The pillows were okay. How nice was the nurse? By the way, no HDTV. Um, the, the nurse was fine. She okay. knew what she was doing and, you know, gave you good instructions. You know, it takes, takes 10 minutes to hook you up. And then, they, you know, you got to basically try to angle yourself into bed with all this stuff coming out, I sleep on my sides. Either the left side or the right side, usually my left side. I do not sleep on my back. I can't sleep on my back, never been able to sleep on my back. I can sleep on my stomach much easier than I can sleep on my back. But anyway, trying to get into a position that was comfortable was next to impossible. And again, I swear to you, I think I fell asleep. I mean... It was about 10 o'clock by the time the nurse and the technician left the room and I had the TV on. It was not HD, by the way. I was turning to the HD channels and I'm like, hey, your TV doesn't work in here. <laughs> they're like, oh, no, we don't have HD. Wow. Um, so I was watching, uh, what was I watching? I was wa the, the Giants and Dodgers were on. I had that on. I don't even know why I had that on. I had no interest in <laughs> watching it. But Tommy, I swear to God, I think I, I fell asleep for the first time at midnight, woke up at 1.10, fell asleep maybe for the second time at like 2.45 or 3, and woke up at like 4.15, and that was it. That can, was it. Can you have your phone with you? I did have my phone with okay. me. Okay. And I got a call at, at pretty late at night as well, which was, you know, part problematic it wasn't it wasn't a significant situation but it was one of my boys calling it's never a an, good call with an issue um it wasn't super late but it was a car related issue and i said and this this was my answer i said is everybody okay yeah everybody's fine call your mother <laughs> because i i needed to do this thing so once i found out he was okay i was just call mom she, you know she'll whatever she needed to do. Anyway, um, I don't know how they learned anything. I didn't ask what the results were. I'm sure they won't tell you. They just send them to your doctor. But anyway, that was my uh, sleep study. Thanks to all of you who recommended that it would be potentially life-changing. I will be shocked if they learn anything about my sleep patterns because I couldn't sleep last night. Now, I had one done once, but uh, because uh, – you know, the doctor said you probably have sleep apnea at one point. 
but I had it done at home on my own. Right. There in other are... words, they send you stuff. They give you instructions mm-hmm. about how to hook it up and send the, the data back to the home office. Well, how did you, I mean, then there's no way you could have hooked yourself up the way they hooked me up last night. They're probably not as intricate. Yeah. But, I mean, I had stickers and, yeah. and electrodes yeah. and all over me. <laughs> and yeah. uh, I did it once, and it came back like it always comes back. I mean, I don't know anyone who's ever taken a sleep at- test and come back not... Y- you have sleep apnea. Oh. I, I don't know anyone. Well, when I first mentioned this a few months ago, I had no less than a half dozen people who said it was the it changed their life, that but, they were diagnosed with it, and now they have one of those, God forbid, I mean, I hope, you know me, I'm not very coachable when it comes to this stuff. If I do have something and they tell me I got to wear something at night, do you really think I'm going to wear it? Well, my point is, I guess every, everybody to. gets diagnosed with sleep apnea who takes the test. So it seems it's, it seems kind of oh. fishy in a way. Oh, I see what I you're mean, saying. I mean, there's nobody I know. Did you get diagnosed with it? Yes, I did. Oh, I thought you were going to no, tell me. No, I that- did. It was it was mild. So they they said, you know, you need to t- to wear the mask. And I didn't want to wear the mask, so they said, "Well, you can wear a nozzle under your nose mm-hmm. and just use that." Kind of like an oxygen kind of thing. Right. You know. And I tried that and I didn't like that. And then they, they said, "Well, and I had guys swear to me. I had guys say, "You know, Get the mask. You'll love it. It'll change like it'll change yeah. your life. It's unbelievable how great it is. They swore. I got the mask. I said, "You <laughs> got to be out of your mind." Yeah, you're not you coachable think, either. I'm, however long my life is, whether it's five <laughs> minutes or fifty years, wanted... I'm not sleeping with this thing on every night. Yeah, I, I know. I, I, you know, I'll feel the same way if they tell me that that's what I have to do, but. I will say this, Tommy, when you get a severe migraine, and I didn't have these until two years ago, maybe, really, actually, that's not true. I think I may have had them when I was younger as a, as a kid, but when you get one of these severe migraines, you'd rather be dead. Yeah, I know. You they're, know? And they're, so, they're, they're nothing nothing to trifle with. So if that got rid of them for sure and, and it guaranteed that I wasn't going to have them. Would, would you wear them? I think I would. If if the, I was told that that was the reason I was getting these migraines, wow, that I would, because I think it's you know one of the triggers is lack of sleep or not getting enough sleep. Yeah. So if this helped me get more sleep, I think I would do it. Yeah, but I think you all... could get more sleep if you were a little bit more disciplined about going to bed at a reasonable time. I think that's true, but I never, I do go to bed late. But I, I could not get into bed at 10 o'clock and fall asleep. I, it couldn't happen. I, I know that. You know what's funny? And you're a long way from this. But there will be an age, God almighty, <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this, where 10 o'clock to bed will make sense. Yeah. I mean, look, I was, I used to, and this is not that long ago, maybe 15 years ago, uh, where I at 8 o'clock at night, I would go down in my office and I'd write, work on my books and I'd work on the books till midnight one in the morning and I'd get up early in the morning to make sure the kids got off for school okay because my wife got up much earlier than me so she wasn't around then and so five hours sleep was the norm for me then and that's how I functioned yeah uh but not now not now yeah um all right let's get to you did you so you went out to Nats Park last night yeah should the game have been called or should they have played the game last night it poured it poured rain. 
most of the night. Till what time? Well, I left at nine thirty. It was still pouring. Oh, I didn't know that. I yeah. was I, I well, was. But in the, Frederick, it didn't rain at all. When I, I got was home. under the impression that it it didn't rain that much after seven seven thirty. No, it, it it actually that's when it really started raining after seven seven thirty. Okay. It didn't rain much. Like at the scheduled game time, I'm not sure it was raining. I don't think it was at seven o five when the game was supposed to start. But they knew what was coming. And there were torrential downpours after the scheduled game time. And like I said, I left at like 9.15, 9.30, and it was raining. Uh, so now this gets pushed back to a game tonight and then a doubleheader tomorrow. And they're supposed to have the same weather issue tonight. Yeah. And tomorrow uh, no, night they, no, they, and storm- Thursday night. Right. So they've got, they, they could have a huge problem. Yeah, these are it's four games. Yes, it's a four game set, and then three after that with yeah, the Braves be, be, with no break. Yeah, so there's not like an off day there. Meantime, you bring up the Braves; they're they're rolling. They're right now. they're red hot. You know, all of a sudden, you know, we said before the division at the top was going to you know allow for an opportunity, you know, to be six back, seven back, rather than being ten or eleven back. But the Braves now are getting some separation. With I'm, you know, I'm looking at the Nats, and Nats are now nine games behind yeah. Atlanta. You know, uh, and I got a column running tomorrow about this. I asked Dave Martinez two questions yesterday. Uh, what does a team have to do to climb in back into a division race? And he gave the standard: you just have to win today. You know, you just got to win one game. You can't worry about tomorrow. Uh, you just have to win a game in front of you. But I asked him what what can't happen for a team to climb back into the race? What would prevent them from doing it? And he said, you know, you can't have the two or three game losing streaks that we've had. You can't, when you're trying to gain ground, you can't have losing streaks like even three in a row or something like that. So I went back and looked at the years where the Nats failed, 2015, 2013, last year, uh, where and, and, you know, where they were trying to gain ground to catch up. And they had at least a half a dozen or more losing streaks in June, July, August, September. Uh, Some of them as many as six games that kept them from climbing back in the race. They have a a rotation, it would seem, with Steven Strasburg, Max Scherr, and Patrick Corbin that would would help prevent that. Mm -hmm. That that would help prevent those those losing streaks. But the point of the column is... uh, you know, what they can't afford to do is lose three, four games in a row. I mean, that's like t- that's that's like starting all over again in a way. And they're going to run out of time if they keep starting all over again. So, I mean, you can lose a game here, a game there. You can lose two in a row, but you can't get you can't get on a losing streak. You've got if you want to climb back in this race, you can't afford to have three, four game losing streaks along the way anymore. Can't do it. No, it makes total sense. Um, you know, especially now that the division has a front runner or a division leader who is well, they've got the second best record now yeah. in the National League behind yeah, the they're Dodgers. Very, they're very impressive. Um, so there's you know, the, and they'll be coming to town this weekend. They will be, and you know, and the weather's supposed to be nice this weekend. This weekend, fine. Next few nights, yeah. uh, not so good. It'll be interesting to see how much of the of this Philly series they're able to get into uh get in this uh these next two or three nights. Um all right, uh we're going to circle back here in a little while to 
Tommy's, you know, work over the weekend. Um, he uncovered a few things about the Wizards' pursuit of Masai Ujiri. Um, and there's a lot of other things going on with the Wizards, including, by the way, some uh, reports that Bradley Beal could be traded to New Orleans. So I want to get to all of that a little bit later on. But I wanted to start, you know, after the the discussion we just had, which always goes longer than we think it's going to go, go. Um, with John Kimes' story that came out, I think, Friday, Tommy, uh, on Dwayne Haskins. He had John Gruden and Dwayne Haskins and a few other players to himself to really dig into the progress or lack thereof of Dwayne Haskins so far. And I, I, I basically cut out all of the quotes that I thought were interesting. Some of them are, are somewhat conflicting, but, you know, we know Jay... So I think we have we have a sense of what Jay's trying to say, but I want to go through them sort of one at a time. You know, if you haven't read this story, this was not, you know, Jay Gruden on the press conference podium talking to everybody. This was with John one-on-one, John Kime one-on-one, um, and also with Haskins one-on-one and a few other people that Kime got. Um so I'm going to start off by reading a bunch of the Gruden quotes on Haskins. Then I'll give you some of the Haskins quotes, and then I'll give you some of the quotes from other players on the team. But um, John asked Gruden if he's seen enough to know whether or not Dwayne Haskins is a serious contender for the starting job, like in terms of the opener against right. Philadelphia. And Gruden said, quote, oh, for sure. I'd be silly not to. He's put enough out there on tape to say he deserves a shot without a doubt. Then he says, I don't know quite what he can do in the NFL in this system because it's new to him, but his ability warrants the fact that, hey, let's take a peek at this big son of a bitch. <laughs> you know? So his physical prowess has been impressive to everybody. Yes, it has. Um, more Gruden. This is more Gruden on on Haskins. Quote, you see the wow plays and you're like, Jesus, when he's on, there's nobody you'd rather have than Dwayne. Really? It's pretty. He stands tall. He has a cannon. He can quicken up his release. He's got great touch, strong, powerful arm, strong, powerful body. But sometimes when he's off, he's abnormally off. It's kind of weird. Closed quote. So when I when I read that, you know, we we've heard since the first time Haskins showed up the how impressed people are with his physical size, presence and his arm strength. Yes. We we've heard that over and over again. The one thing that I said all year about Haskins and one of the reasons I didn't like or didn't love him as a prospect, this was before the Redskins took him and we were talking draft is I watched a lot of, you know, you basically got to see every Ohio State game, and there were games when he got pressured, he was off, like way off, like super high, super late, super off. And I think that's what Gruden's referring to, that, you know, sometimes when he's off, he's abnormally off. It's kind of weird. And there were times at Ohio State, if, especially in third down, when you had to throw the ball down the field against a good defensive team. Michigan State was a good defensive team. Washington in the bowl game in the second half, they really came on. And you could see him occasionally, you know, throw it off his back foot, overthrow somebody by, you know, three or four feet. And it just looked weird. Gruden, continuing. He can just see the whole field extremely well. Very positive. 
for a young quarterback, a lot of times when there are rushers, they have a tendency to look down. He has a natural ability to keep his eyes up and down the field. It's like a video game where he can see and make all the throws. There's a lot to like about him, and there's a lot to clean up, as we would expect, but he's been impressive. I, one of the things that I love to hear a coach say about a quarterback is that he sees the whole field. Right. You know, he's got that vision of seeing everything when, you know, rather than looking down and, and looking to escape. Look, the thing about Dwayne Haskins, he's never had to feel, pre- he's never had the ability to feel pressure and say, I'm going to use my legs to get out of here. Yeah. He's got to make it happen with his arm in the pocket. So I thought that was maybe the most complimentary thing that Gruden said in terms of specifics. I, I liked him saying that, that he sees the field and he doesn't look down. He's got a natural ability to keep his eyes up and down the field. Um, and then he says there's the comfort level he has to continue to get when he calls a play and knows exactly what we're trying to do or when I start to call a formation, he knows what play is coming. That's going to come with time. Lots and lots of time. Dwayne may not quite be there yet. That's not something we know yet. I hope that's not the case. He didn't make many mistakes at Ohio State in the year he played. That's something we have to play out, close quote. So that was all of Gruden on Haskins. What did you hear there there that would tell you he's got a legitimate shot other than him saying it to start the opener? And did you hear anything that that, that would make you believe that he doesn't? I didn't hear anything to make me believe he doesn't. I mean, I, I, I heard a coach who's very, who is always very circumspect spent about what he says sometimes about, about players. In other words, even with his praise on players, he'll always have a qualifier. So he had a lot of qualifiers in there about, uh, about Haskins. But overall, it, it sounds like He's saying that uh, if Dwayne Haskins continues to progress, he's going to be the starting quarterback. He didn't say how quick that progression might take, but there's nothing in there to indicate that it's a long-term project. So last week, Aaron and I were talking about this. Aaron thinks that the odds favor Dwayne Haskins starting the opener. I think after talking to a lot of the beat reporters and listening to Jay, and I think there's some Jay in there that tells me that he's not going to start the opener, that Keenum's going to start the opener, but that that Jay has seen enough to believe that he can start at some point next year. By the way, it's also in Jay's best interest to be – very positive about Haskins right now. That's true. By the way, I'm not just talking about because of Dan and Bruce. I'm talking right. about for Haskins' yes. sake. You know, there's no reason when you have at least one veteran that can start for you, if not two, there's no reason to be openly critical or even that constructively critical. And he is in there a little bit, but there's more positive than negative. Yeah, those are qualifiers. That, that's That's when... You're you're heaping praise on somebody, and you don't and and you don't want it to seem over over the top. I do think that the one big takeaway for me in in reading some of that Jay stuff, and then hearing Jay during you know OTAs and minicamp, is that Jay's not completely sure yet, and Jay understands like I think most long time football fans understand is you just don't know until you put him out there in a real spot. 
you know, like I, I know I've said before that, you know, coaches tend to know, Cooley said within the first week, they're going to know whether or not this guy can actually start this year of training camp. And he said be in training camp. Mike Shanahan said he's going to know in the first few days whether or not this guy is getting it, you know, at the rate he needs to get it to play next year. Um and maybe that's true and we'll hear more of that in training camp, but what I'm hearing here is he's got the look, he's got a lot of good things about him and I'm just not going to know until I actually put him out there with live bullets. And by the way, live bullets are are not preseason games. To me they're not. I, I, but anyway, my guess still today, even after reading all those quotes from Gruden, is that Case Keenum starts the Philadelphia game, the opener. I would put the odds that Case Keenum's the starter, but that you know there's a shot that he plays much sooner rather than later. You know, sometime in the first five, six weeks of the season. Well, again, after the first five weeks, the, the schedule changes dramatically. We'll see. Yeah. You know, I mean, they go from the Patriots. To the Dolphins from week five to week six. I know. I know. Um, so I mean that 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 would uh, that, look. Uh, we're all basing this on the fact that Jay's going to pick the starting quarterback too. That's not necessarily true. I I totally am, I'm taking that into consideration. Yeah. And I I think and if it's close, I think if it's as close as, as you think it may be, and it sounds like it, it could be close. Don't well, you think? If Haskins can play. The competitive landscape should mean that if he can actually do it, it should be close. It's Keenum and Colt. Right. You know, it's not Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. But what you just said, do you know how many people are listening out there rolling their eyes and saying, oh, there they go. There's Tommy. Stop rolling your eyes and join us in the real effing world. If it's close... And you don't think Dan Snyder is going to have his hand in this decision? You are so effing naive. It's ridiculous. If you don't think there is some pressure right now to really push Dwayne to get him ready so that in August they can start selling that Dwayne is the starter, you're out of your mind. Now, I'm not suggesting that he's going to force it if all the football people are saying, no, 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 right. he can't do Be- because it yet, and it'll hurt his progression. There's some things that the locker room will push back on. That's right. but if you, ha- you have to win over the locker room, too. But Dan Snyder is hoping, beyond hope, that it's clear that Haskins is the starter. And if it's close, there's no doubt in my mind that he's going to be talking yes. to the coaches. yes. About what they they should do if it's close. Yeah, I, I I would tend to agree with someone who would say he's not going to force Jay Gruden to play him if the kid's nowhere near ready to play. I think I agree with that. I, I it would be hard to again. You'd have the locker room pressure. Oh, that didn't stop him before when uh, Colt beat the Cowboys in that. Uh, that yep. Monday night game. And then game. Griffin came back and for the And then they turned game. around and started Griffin when everyone in the locker room knew who should have started yeah. that Vikings game. So he he's capable of, of you know sticking his middle finger up at the locker room and saying, we're going to start who, who, we, who we want to start. But uh, look, Has- I, don't know, I don't know anything about Dwayne Haskins personally. I have, sus- I, have, I have reasonable suspicions about his father based on that bizarre conversation he had with that New Jersey reporter before the season and the whole Haskin and Haskins business enterprise. But from what I can see from afar, Dwayne Haskins seems like a grounded, smart young guy. 
And if he is that, he's going to know if he's ready or not. So I want to get to his quotes because okay. I think they are telling also, or more telling than even Gruden's quotes. By the way, just one quick point on you know Dan inserting himself and telling Jay, Robert's healthy, he's our starter, he's starting in the Minnesota game. That was also Jay Gruden's first year as head coach. Yes, it was. And one of the reasons he got the job is he told <laughs> Dan <laughs> that he could make RG3 work. <laughs> yes, he so did. So if, if after one win you know, yeah. against the Cowboys with Colt <laughs> Very McCoy said point. he's my starter, it would not have... It, it would not bode well, yeah. or it wouldn't have at, at the time. All right, so here was Haskins with Kime talking about various things. Um, here's him talking about a few things, including calling plays. Quote, watching film, calling plays, just getting used to being in different terminology. At Ohio State, I used to play Madden to learn the playbook. May I just insert one thing here with Aaron? I... I, I've played Madden football a lot with my sons over the years. I, I play Tiger Woods golf and Madden football, um, you know, on on our on our thing downstairs. But I, I I would ask you if Ohio State's playbook, we had the NFL. I didn't have we didn't have the college football. Would would he be able to literally learn the playbook by playing Ohio State and Madden football? Uh, you could, if you were to, you can actually like make plays and make a playbook. So hypothetically, if you had somebody dedicated to it, you could put the actual playbook into Madden or NCAA football or whatever. Okay. I, I like when I was playing, if I ever played the Redskins on Xbox, you know, against one of my boys, I didn't literally think that it was the Redskins playbook. It was a similar, you know, group of the kinds of plays that would be available for say the 2015 Redskins or 2016 Redskins with Kirk Cousins, and yes, I did play those particular teams <laughs> every once in a while. But um, I, I didn't think it was a replica of no, the playbook. The the natural okay. one isn't, but if you were going and c- could customize it, you can do it. Okay, and and I'm sure either he or somebody he knew could easily put that information into Madden while he was in college. So he continued, "Quote: Once I learned the playbook." playbook. I know what I'm doing. I can call out the reads and point out site adjustments and move protections. Everything else will go from there. So I feel one full year of learning would do me justice. That's the first quote that was interesting from him. He said, I'm not worrying about starting week one. I just want to be ready to play week one, whether that's this year or next year. Whenever the time comes for me to play, I want to make sure that when I do play, I don't want to look back. And that's you know him saying, I want to be ready right. when they put me out there so that when I'm out there, it's not experimental. It's for good. You know, Which, by the way, that's some self-awareness on his it part. It is. I give him a lot of credit for those answers. That's very smart to, to publicly basically say, say that. I, again, my issue... Is not necessary. My my issue of self destruction is not with Dwayne Haskins; it's with the people around him. Of course, you know. So I think we this don't know. Kid, en- yeah, we just don't know enough right. about him. I mean, there, right. you know, there were a few red flags there. The yeah, fifty dollar bowling but, alley draft night thing, but that could have been that, his that, father. That right. So overall, he seems like a smart, sensible kid. The Bentley. Uh, the embroidered seats. Look at. I mean, with his branding I, marketing company. Look at, I probably logo in the if, seats. If it were me. No, 
I probably would have bought a, a Lincoln Town Car. I'm more of a Town Car guy than a Bentley guy. An old school Town Car guy. You would guy. have bought a Volkswagen bus. So, but uh, all the, 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 these these are very encouraging quotes fr- from him, and well, very smart. So let me let me just play one quick devil's advocate um, uh, quickly. Is that I think some people would say that's not what a hyper competitor says. Hyper competitor says I'm going to get this thing right, and I'm going to I'm going to be ready for week one, and I'm going to make this a very difficult decision. You know, in terms of who starts, because I'm going to be advanced. See, but hyper but, hyper competitiveness is overrated. You want somebody really? smart enough to walk the line between compa- competition and respect. I mean, you, you want somebody smart enough to be able to do that. I mean, hyper competitiveness uh, c- can destroy you. I disagree and destroy with, the people around you. I disagree with you. I would not say it's overrated, but I would agree with you in that you can be both. You can be self-aware, and you can be super competitive. And I don't mind these quotes from him. It says to me that this guy knows that this is a big adjustment. He only started one year, and he didn't call plays in a huddle. There's a lot to learn, and he doesn't want to walk out there and play until he is ready to be the starting quarterback. And privately, and I wouldn't fault him for this at all, he may think to himself, I'm the Redskins' starting quarterback. Already. Yeah. Whether it's in 2019 From, or 2020. I, I'm the Redskins starting quarterback. And that may be, maybe that's based on what he's seen so far in camp. I'm not th- saying that he, he's saying that because uh, he knows the influence of his good buddy, Dan Snyder. I think he probably has looked around and looked at Case Keenum and said, yeah, he's nice, but he's, he's not, he's not Dwayne Haskins. All right, a couple of his teammates um, weighed in uh, on the um, for the uh, Kime column uh, on Friday. I would urge you to read it. Uh, Haskins, John writes, Haskins must develop and learn. In meetings, he asks offensive coordinator Kevin O'Connell about his former teammate Brady. Haskins picked the brain of veteran quarter, uh, cornerback Dominique Rogers-Cromartie after plays asking why he jumped certain routes. And DRC said, quote, I'd tell him when he sets his feet or when he looks a certain way, he's staring down a little bit. Everything I tell him, he comes back the next day and he beats me with it. In minicamp last week, Redskins corner Josh Norman made a diving interception off Haskins in the end zone. There was a good-natured trash talking before the play and later with lessons sprinkled in for Haskins. Norman, quote, he's got some fire to him. He has no fear, closed quote. Um, Jay Gruden weighing in on what the players think about him said, quote, he's already earned the respect of a lot of people around here. They're excited because they've seen bits and pieces of the potential. He's seeking information. He's attentive in meeting rooms. He has a ways to go mentally. We're throwing a lot of formations at him and it's all new to him. We'll see how he takes this period and how it transfers to when it comes when it comes back and how much he retains, that's going to be the key, meaning when he gets back for training camp. Look, the brief window that we've all got, we all got to see him in rookie minicamp, OTAs and minicamp, uh, there's, there's nothing to discourage you so far about the pick, right? Well, nothing, but you, there, there wouldn't... But I'm saying it, it's, the, it's a brief window. Yeah. I mean, look, look, I mean... I, I no, know you're saying no. It's better than it's better than 
what I feared we might hear at this point from Gruden, who is pretty direct and pretty easy to read. And I did fear when they picked him that it would be early in minicamp OTAs or some point in training camp when it was just some frustration that Jay sometimes cannot you know, hold back right. and saying things like, Look, he's got some real talent. This is the NFL. He's got a long way to go. You know, we're, we're we, we he's got to learn. He's got to learn how to call plays. You know, some of these things he's saying, but not in a demonstrative, frustrated way, which I think is encouraging. But here, I here, think that's encouraging. Here's the big problem for this kid, this rookie, this year. He's going into the season with right now. He's going into training camp with the uncertainty of having his best protector not there in Trent Williams. He's going into uh, training camp with, at best, unproven weapons. Mm-hmm. You know, And the unproven weapons are the, are the new guys. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the ones who are there either can't stay healthy or just aren't very good. So he doesn't have a lot of weapons that we know of, and he may, he may have to live through the season where he's got no one to really throw to and no one to, to protect him. Other than that, everything should be fine. <laughs> Other than that, <laughs> Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? Um, and and what does that do to him? You know? Yeah. I don't know. I, I still think, and we've talked about this before, but one of the real intrigues, um, one of the most intriguing things about this season is just Jay Gruden's situation. Is it more beneficial for him to go nine and seven with Case Keenum and be a six seed and lose in a wild card game, or is it more beneficial for him to go six and ten with Dwayne Haskins starting twelve games and over the final twelve there's steady improvement to the point where you know the arrows pointed up? Which is better for Gruden? Because the owner wants to see that young quarterback be the franchise oh, quarterback. Yeah. yeah, and I know he wants that. He wants. The, the limited amount of, of seats that have Redskins fans in them wearing number seven jerseys at Orange Joe Theismann. Right. That, that's what he wants. And, and I know that, you know, Kansas City went 12-4 and four with Alex Smith and went to the playoffs. They lost in the first round, by the way, um, and then traded him and, and started Mahomes in year two after they had traded up to get Mahomes. And you could say, hey, they could go to the playoffs with Case Keenum and still start Dwayne Haskins in 2020. Yeah, they could, but can you? I mean, this team doesn't go to the playoffs very often. No. Kansas City does. Yeah. And by the way, Alex Smith was, you know, been there for a while, and you know, their fan base and their media and their coaching staff knew that there was a limit with Alex Smith. You know, was getting to the playoffs, not necessarily winning once you got there with him. Um, I got a question for you. Yeah. Whether it's Haskins or whether it's Keenum as a starter. This Redskins offense is going to be the same, right? Uh, I don't. I mean, in other words, it's going to be a lot of running the ball. Uh, it's going to be a lot of what we saw last year. Yeah, part of me thinks, quite honestly, of the three, and I don't know if he'll be ready. And you know, I'm not a big Colt McCoy as a starting quarterback fan, but I thought when Colt McCoy came in for them last year, um, and even you know the Thanksgiving Day game. Um, that their offense looked totally different than it did with Alex Smith. It yeah. was more effective, more explosive. They had a better chance. I know he had some key turnovers, 
But, you know, that's not why they lost to Dallas. They lost to Dallas because they couldn't stop the Cowboys. They couldn't tackle Amari Cooper. They couldn't, there were things in that game they couldn't do. But, but my but question is with, the, either with quarterback. this particular offense and the lack of proven weapons, but with potentially the ability to run the ball, you know, a healthy Colt McCoy might give them the best chance and might look different than Keenum or Haskins. That's yeah, my but, answer but, to you. But I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think it will either. I'm just saying Colt McCoy's ability to improvise, knowing the offense stone cold, which he does, I actually think that as we sit here in mid-June, I would tell you if Colt McCoy's healthy, he probably would give them the best chance for the offense to look and resemble something professional. Well, if the Redskins doctors don't cut off his leg by then, maybe he will be ready. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean... We don't. We don't know what happened there. We don't know what happened there. Colt. Colt. See, that's wanted, why Kevin has migraines. Colt wanted to be. Well, Colt wanted to be available too in in the event that they got to the postseason. Yes. Um, that, that's one of those stories. Well, I I don't know that we'll ever. I I bet we know what the answer is right now. The answer is they said, you know what, Colt, we need to do this right now. And he said, well, what if we have a game against Philadelphia to go to the postseason? You're telling me I could be back by then or in, in, the, in the playoffs. And they collectively, collectively, like apparently they did in, in Oakland with, with Kevin Durant last week, they made the decision not to do what they maybe should have done for the purposes of having cold available if they got to right. the well, that, that, That's what Bruce Allen is supposedly there for. <laughs> yeah. To step in and say, this is not a good idea. Now, can you imagine Bruce Allen you know, crying at the podium like Golden State's GM did last week <laughs> over the Duran injury? Um, all right, so one other quick Redskins story uh, while we're on the Redskins, because I, I read this early this morning uh, in the Post. I think Les Carpenter wrote it. Um, he had um, some quotes from Bill Callahan, I don't, this could have been from a, a presser that Bill Callahan did. But Callahan basically is saying that Eric Flowers um, is really the, the front runner to be the starting left guard and can't play tackle. Like, you know, we knew that they, did, they didn't sign Eric Flowers to play tackle. God forbid he has to play tackle. They're in big trouble. And they should literally, if, they, if Trent Williams doesn't come back and they have to start Eric Flowers at left tackle, they should put a red shirt on Haskins for 2019. That's not going to happen. But, uh, that Ca is not going <laughs> but, to happen. But Callahan swears, um, there are a bunch of quotes in here, that, or he certainly sounds bullish about Eric Flowers as a starting left guard. And remember, the Redskins have that, you know, and had that coming into the season as a void, and we weren't sure about Flowers, but he, he thinks he projects well um, as a, as a uh, left guard, which means if that's true, then right now you're just missing Trent Williams from an offensive line that, if healthy, could be decent, not top five. The Redskins' offensive line, for those of you who have said it's been a top five offensive line here in recent years, you're out of your mind. Obviously, it hasn't been unhealthy, but even totally healthy, it hasn't even been the best offensive line in the division. Right. Um, and, I, I mean, it, it, was it top 10? Yeah, right around number 10. We did this last year. I'm not going to do it right now. But it was not. it's not been, with Trent Williams and Brandon Sheriff, a top five offensive line. It's been a good offensive line when it's been healthy. Unfortunately, the last two years, it hasn't been. All right, uh, I want to get to all of your wizard stuff, which is interesting, and the stories about Bradley Beal on the verge, uh, not on the verge, about Bradley Beal potentially 
being traded to New Orleans. All right, quick word about Window Nation. If you've been thinking about Windows, please consider Window Nation. I've had Window Nation in my home installing Windows twice over the last 10 years. It worked out for me. It's worked out for many of our listeners. Uh, what I love about Window Nation, well, Harley and Aaron for starters, and Eric, um, they've been in this business for over 20 years. They're great guys, uh, and they want to make it work for all of you. And they, I talk to Harley all the time, and Harley always says to me, you know, make sure you let me know when one of your friends or when somebody close to you, uh, some listener on your show is getting Windows so we can take good care of them. One of the things about Window Nation that you should know is they give you a free in-home quote. So there's no risk. They send an experienced salesperson to your home. They're going to go room by room and they're going to tell you, honestly, this room, you could use this and that. That room over here, that bedroom is fine. You don't need windows in this particular room. They're never going to oversell or upsell you. They're going to give you exactly what you need. And then they're going to give you a price quote that's going to be good for 30 days. So you don't even have to make up your mind that day. You can think about it with that particular price quote. And with respect to the in-home quote, they're going to come out when it's convenient for you. And they are professional. They're going to get into your home. They're not going to be disruptive just as they are when they install windows in your house. In fact, I think some of the rooms they installed windows in uh, the last time they were there, uh, the, the rooms were left cleaner than when they got there. Um, Window Nations installed over 150,000 windows just in the last year, and 99.5% of them required no follow-up service. They've got over 10,000 online positive reviews. That's a lot for a window company. And their average installer has over 16 years of experience. Again, I trusted them into my home uh, after, and I would do it again after having windows installed twice. I wouldn't be endorsing Window Nation if I didn't have complete trust in them. Their offer right now is buy one window, get one free with no limit. Plus, get zero, zero, zero. That's zero down payment, zero interest, and no payments for the first 12 months. Call them at 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com. That's 866-90-NATION. Tell them that I told you to call. All right, Tommy. Um, Let's get to some of this wizard stuff. Before we get to your columns and some of the stuff that you learned um, late last week and over the weekend about the wizards' pursuit of Masai Ujiri and just their overall general manager search, um, there was a story, uh, I guess it was late yesterday, from The Athletic. It was from Shams Charania. I don't know how you pronounce the name, uh, but he writes for The Athletic, covers the NBA for The Athletic, and he writes that New Orleans has been open to moving the number four overall pick. Remember, that's part of the package they got from the Lakers. And one for Anthony Davis. And one player, league executives, believe the Pelicans are monitoring in a potential trade with the Washington Wizards for all-star Bradley Beal, sources say. Wizards interim president Tommy Shepard is running, running the Washington front office as of now, and the franchise has been adamant for months that it hopes to build around Beal. Um, now, this particular writer for The Athletic you know, looked at what a deal bringing Beal to New Orleans might look like, and he's got Beal to New Orleans for Brandon Ingram, who just got dealt to New Orleans in the Anthony Davis trade from the Lakers, the number four overall pick in the draft, right. Etwan Moore, 
in Solomon Hill. Uh, let me just tell you right now, that's not a trade I would do. I would want either Lonzo Ball or Drew Holiday as part of this deal. Uh, you know, Etwan Moore, I like him as a player. Brandon Ingram, I like him as a player. I want the number four pick, and I either want Ball or Holiday, and then give me Etwan Moore and Solomon Hill, you know, as part of the deal as well. I don't think I would do it for Ingram in the number four pick. I would do it for Ball in the number four pick. Um, and potentially, potentially even Drew Holiday and the number four pick with a couple of other players mixed in there. But right now, with you know, with where the organization is with its GM search, who's making the decisions? Is Tommy Shepard going to make decisions? The draft is Thursday night. He's, they don't have anybody hired. He's going to run the draft, and he will probably wind up uh, with the interim tag on him for a while. He will probably be the guy. I mean, because uh, uh, Ted Leonsis has totally messed up this search. I mean, it, it's just it's just remarkable uh, what they've done. The latest is, you know, uh, like within seconds after the uh, Raptors won the NBA title Thursday night, we had the report from Adrian Wojnarowski right. that the Wizards were ready to offer uh, Ujiri, the uh, Raptors team president, $10 million a year plus a stake in ownership to come run the Wizards. I mean... I don't think Fetty hit the court yet. No, it was when, immediate. When that, that report. And it's from Adrian Wojnarowski. Okay, so it's got a level of credibility there. Uh, the next day, like maybe 15 hours later, you saw a Washington Post story that basically said, Candace oh, Buckner. Yeah, no, no offer was made. Right. Monumental officials were adamant. No offer was made. See, that was damage control. Uh, I found out through pretty reliable sources that Ted got slapped down pretty hard uh, about potential tampering charges. Uh, Ujiri, who's got still got two years left on his contract, and they were backed off. They were backed off by, by the league. I don't know if the if the if the if the uh, alarm was rang by Toronto officials or from the NBA front office itself, but uh, they got their head handed to them the, the day after uh, that that report appeared. And they had to do everything they can to back that off, and they may have they may have fouled that up now to the point where it's irreparable. Right. It really doesn't matter what their offer would be at this point. Uh, I, I'm not sure they 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 can ever hire Ujiri if after what they've done. So, so first of all, you were the only place that I read this last week right. about the you know Ted getting slapped down for potential tampering. Yes, the report came out right after they won the title. I mean, within an hour. Yeah. Um, Adrian Wojnarowski's uh, report was out there that the Wizards were going to offer a blockbuster deal to bring Ujiri here to be the team president and give him ten million bucks a year plus equity in the in ownership in the franchise. And then the next day, it was Saturday, or maybe I don't know, was it? Yeah, it was Saturday. So it was a day and a half later. Candace Buckner in Friday. the post. It was Friday. Did it come out Friday? Yeah. Okay, so she comes out and basically shoots down Wojnarowski's story, saying that the Wizards are not pursuing yeah. Ujiri. Yeah. Um, and that kind of offer has not been made. So do you think that the Wizards basically you know, fed Candace Buckner a story to make it look like they weren't tampering? Like how, how, how does that, in your experience, work when that report comes out the night of the title 
And everybody's thinking, oh my God, Ujiri may leave to go to Washington for $10 million bucks, and he's got two years left on his deal, and now all of a sudden the Wizards are, are feeling pressure from the league. You can't, you can't offer him a deal. He's under contract. This is tampering. Yeah. Or without getting permission, I would assume. Right. So what do you think happened? Well, again, I, I, I don't know Candace Buckner from Adam, and, and, and my issue, if, if there is any issue, is not said with her. Not with her. I mean, if, if team officials... If you're speaking to team officials privately, like Ted or high ups, and they're telling you, no, that's not true. We haven't offered, we have no intention of making an offer. We're not, we haven't made them an offer. That's not true. You have to write that. I mean, you don't have any choice. No, I, I understand. Yeah. So, you, I mean, that, that's the story you got to go with, you know, and, and the Post is trying to react to a report, uh, a national report that everyone got beat on, but it's not. It, it's very typical to get beat by Wojnarowski on NBA stories. So, I mean, I think what happened is is the Wizards, you know, basically uh, tried to basically cover their behinds in this. And, I mean, let's go back to this job has been so, open for almost three months, Kevin. I, I know. Before we get to that, though, I just want to make sure. you Do you think that Ujiri's, you know, issue after the game, punching – you know, getting into an altercation after the game. You don't think that that had anything to do with the Wizards potentially backing off? No. Okay. No, I don't think I don't that either. had anything to do with the. Now, that complicates things a little bit all the way around, of course. That complicates things, but I don't think that gets in the way of, of what the Wizards. I, I don't see Ted letting something like that uh, stop him. Uh, so but, you, but Ted's been stopped. Do you think they're, you know, um, they're, I guess for the lack of a better description, their aggressiveness to the point where they may have been slapped down by the league now means that there's no chance of getting Ujiri? Or is there still a chance if they go about it the right way? I don't know if there's no chance. I, I'm not going to say that. I'd be surprised if they get Ujiri after this. I think, I think you know, I'd, I, I wonder if... I, if if they name Tommy Shepard as the general manager, interim or full time, when they have that press conference, all the questions to Ted are going to be about who he didn't hire, not who he hired. It's going to be a pretty bad situation for him. Going back to the Denver guy Conley, uh, who you know the Wizards supposedly, according to reports, pursued, did not nearly make him the offer that they supposedly were ready to make to, to Ujiri. They, I mean, supposedly they, they, they lowballed Conley on years. Conley wanted supposedly five years, uh, and the Wizards were only willing to give him four. I don't know what the truth is in all that. I did find out that that was probably never going to be a serious pursuit because Conley is very tight with Tommy Shepard. Uh, Tommy Shepard was his mentor, basically, in the NBA, right. and he'd be very reluctant to take a job that Tommy Shepard is 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 up for as well, so that was never going to happen either. Meanwhile, we're going on a, a ten weeks at least since that job's been open. And like I point out in the column, the remarkable thing is Ted hired a consultant to help them with all this. <laughs> uh, he got help. Oh, God, I can't stand. do this. I can't stand when when. You know, athletic departments and colleges with, you know, with athletic directors who are supposed to be the experts in hiring yes. coaches seek search firms for their help. Yeah, this is my um, look. The, the guy, Bob, and by the way, pay a lot of money to those search firm look, firms. Bob, like I've told you before, Bob Forty, the guy they, they hired, has a very good reputation. But my position is Ted Leonsis 
has been um, a, a minority, ha, has been an owner of the Wizards, either minority or majority, for almost 20 years now. Yeah. I mean, he should know the league. And he, the, I mean, dealing with the front office that he had to deal with, unless he is an absolute idiot, he should have been walking around in his back pocket for the past couple years with a list of the five next hot shots in NBA front offices who might be good GMs. He should have that knowledge. He should have that information. And he shouldn't need a consultant to tell him to do that. You know who was on hand yesterday for the workouts for uh, Kobe White and, and Nasir Little, uh, the Carolina players that were in? Oh. Ted and Zach. Zach? Uh-huh. Really? Maybe he's going to be. Well, I, I bring this up because, first of all, if he was targeting Ujiri all along, it may be why they didn't make an offer it may for be. Connolly to accept. And maybe he thought, you know what, if, if Connolly accepts this offer, I'm fine with it. That may be. And so maybe he was t- targeting Ujiri all along. And if, but had the plan, the fallback of if it's not Ujiri, I'm not blown away by anybody else. We'll have Tommy be our general manager, and Zach and I will get involved a little bit more than we have. But, maybe Zach can get but, involved. But that's not the way you, you fill the most important open job in sports. Well, I think he stepped beyond his his understanding. I think that was, you know, that was Ted trying to sell. That was Ted but trying see, to, to market the position. The thing is, I mean, he's, he's not a good salesman. Not when it comes to the basketball team. I mean, he what he wasn't he wasn't even able to to get, get a, a sales pitch with Kevin Durant. He wasn't able to convince Al Horford to come play for Washington in what turned out to be a historically game changing personnel decision. Because not only did the Wizards not get Horford, they had to face they him had, in, a con- right. in a conference semifinal. So and uh, you know he he doesn't seem to be able to c- convince anybody to come take the job. Here in Just Washington. to be clear, Al, Al Horford hasn't gotten the Celtics to the NBA Finals. No, he hasn't. Yet. Okay. No, he hasn't. Um, by the way, I mentioned uh, the Ujiri incident. It was with a deputy sheriff, not with uh, yeah. a, a fan. Right. Um, I, I, you know, when I the, the Ujiri report made a lot of sense to me in terms of this is what they were waiting on because they hadn't hired anybody and. Ted's going to start thinking big, which is what I've always suggested. I don't think he thinks big enough. Now you say that, and it's like he paid Brooks a hell of a lot of money, yeah. and he's paid you know Wall the supermax deal. But I just felt like they should on these free agents and and coach you know that there should be a consistent thinking big theme. This organization's always thought small. For oh the, yeah, for it's the mo- most part, it's Going been a mom and pop operation. Well, it certainly was with Abe. Yeah, it was um, with Abe. And and you know, listen, as an aside, here's what I've heard some from, from some Caps fans. $10 million a year? Where was this money when you were had when when you had a chance to pay your Stanley Cup winning coach? Where was the money then when 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 you cheaped out on on keeping Barry Trotz and you're going to spend $10 million on a guy to run a basketball team, a team that's already been run into the ground. Who look, I don't care how great uh, uh Jerry is. This this is this is a, a franchise with with tremendous burdens uh, around them right now, I mean, it, in other words, it it's gonna take, it's gonna be oh, like it, it's gonna be like take turning the Queen Mary around 
in in in, uh, in a Potomac River. No, let me let me because I I'll finish what I was going to say about when I read the you know the night of the the title and I think I talked about it here on Friday that this is what Ted's been waiting for to make a big splash a big hire but I don't know why you Jerry would take this position unless. This is, and I know this, his wife is from here, and they've looked at homes. I don't know, they may have purchased a home here, but that doesn't mean that he can't continue to be the Toronto GM and have a house here. Right. Like, why would he, this job right now is not very attractive. No. You've got a player who's on a super max deal who will not play next year more likely than not in John Wall, and when he does come back, may never be the super max player that you had, even though some people don't. But my point is, he was third team All NBA, and he had a really good season. And John Wall needs his knees and needs his legs, right? To and, be and, John Wall, and, and you may and, never have that, right? Remember, he he he's had three knee surgeries already, in addition to the ruptured Achilles tendon. And everyone in the league knows the reputation of John Wall was not good last year. He was considered an off the court problem, right? Um. The other thing, too, look, Ujiri struck gold by trading DeRozan and company for Kawhi Leonard, and it was a big risk. It was a risk totally worth taking, in my view. Um, I would have traded most of the team, most of the Wizards team for Kawhi Leonard, but he pulled off that trade. That's why he is a championship team president slash GM. He wasn't before that. All right, they could not get past the Eastern Conference Finals with a pretty talented group and a great backcourt pairing, like the Wizards had a great backcourt pairing um, with DeRozan and uh, with Kyle Lowry. But that trade, not necessarily his drafting. Siakam was a very good pick at number very twenty-five or twenty-six, wherever it was. He's got to be a great in player in twenty sixteen. He is a great player. <clears throat> but you know, other in Van Vliet, you know, the, uh, acquiring Van Vliet. Um, but I've said this so many times when it comes to, you know, the NBA draft in particular, there's just a lot of, you know, I understand you got to be really good at evaluating the, the, the person, the player and all of that. And that probably increases your chances of finding the guy that can lead you to a title. But there are a lot of teams that missed on Kawhi Leonard. There are a lot of teams that missed on Giannis. You know, we, we've had this over the years where sometimes the elite players are not the number one, number two, number three picks overall, where it's so obvious. After that, it's a roll of the dice, and they didn't draft Kawhi Leonard. San Antonio did. He pulled off a trade for Kawhi Leonard, um, which, by the way, other teams had the ability potentially to make. The Wizards would have had the ability to trade with San Antonio for Kawhi Leonard if they were thinking big. You don't think San Antonio would have thought about Beal and or Wall or some combination of Beal and something and and other pieces, maybe Otto Porter? I don't know. Because Beal and DeRozan, you know, it's six and one half dozen the other for the most part. Um, So, you know, one of the things that by hiring Ujiri, a guy that was allowed to think big and make and roll the dice, Ted's not been a dice roller as an owner. He'd have to. Ace Rothstein? I mean. That's about the only thing he seems to to be excited about these days. Oh, he, li- he likes books. Team Liquid too. I don't know, Team Liquid. That's his esports. Oh, team. right, the esports team. Yeah. Um. Meanwhile, their draft is Thursday night. But look, just on, to finish up on Ujiri, maybe they can't even go after him now. But I just didn't see Ujiri coming here anyway. 
more likely than not. You know, I think even I, if they had had approached it the right way. I think I had the right idea a couple years ago. What? You hired John Calipari to be your president of basketball operations and coach. Yeah. You hire him to be the guy. And why would he take that job? Well, because you make him an offer he can't refuse, just like anyone else. You know what? Seriously, that would have been better than the been course bo- they've taken. Yeah, it would have been bold. Would have been bold. Yeah. Would have been bold. And, you know, Calipari is the kind of guy that would, would attract potentially free agents, certainly yeah. be able to pitch him yeah. and sell him, probably better than Ted can sell him. Yeah. And, you know, again, in the NBA, do you have to have the best coach? No, you have to have the best players. Yeah. <laughs> you got to have the best players. Um, by the way, on the draft, uh, and I'll have much more on this on I'll I'll save most of it for you on Thursday to, to to give you sort of the list of players that I like at nine and the players that I don't like. I do not like Nasir Little at nine, and he may be there. I would they they had both of the Carolina kids in there yesterday. I would definitely think about Kobe White. I don't think he'll be there though, Aaron. Right? <clears throat> Isn't White being projected? You know, uh, at at a much before nine now. Uh, yeah, I was actually looking at the because the FanDuel sports book has lines on like, kind of over unders. Let me uh, see if I can pull that up real quick. But yeah, it, it's higher than that, I believe. Here's why I, I'm not a fan of Nasir Little at this point. He's got a lot of potential. Don't get me wrong. You know, he's got he's got length. He's got athleticism. He had, if you go back to the beginning of Carolina's season, Roy Williams was frustrated with him. And Roy Williams does not get frustrated with a lot of players. He is a player's coach. He is easygoing Roy. Aw shucks Roy. And remember how he snapped back at reporters as to why Little wasn't playing a lot of minutes early in the, in the year, Aaron? And I'm paraphrasing here, but he essentially said, don't tell me when to play my players, especially if they're not ready to play. And Little never really, he got it going at times. There were some good games he had, you know, a couple of good games he had in the tournament. But, you know, uh, I think in the game where they got run out of the building by Auburn, he was horrible in that particular game. I don't, I'm not a Nasir Little fan. I know there's a lot of potential in these young, what is he, eight, 19 years old, probably. Yeah. Um, and remember, this time last year, he was projected to be a top two or three pick in this particular draft. And, he didn't get enough run on a good team, but you know one of, one of the top recruits in the country last year got a lot less run than some of the other top recruits. I, I'm not a big Nasir Little fan. I, I'm maybe Zach loves him, maybe Ted loves him, and they'll take him. I wouldn't take him. So who look? I I've been in your corner on this ever since you told the Wizards to draft uh, Leonard. I mean, I've been in. I, I'd say I'm on the Kevin Sheehan don't, bandwagon. Don't forget, I also suggested Steph Curry, Curry yes, was you going did. to be a great, really good pro. Yes, you did. You did, and so I've been on your bandwagon ever since. Who, I also didn't think Harden would be a good pro. <laughs> I did say that, but they didn't have a chance to draft Harden and Ernie. But they had a chance to trade for him. Ernie, no, Harden went the, the uh, went a pick or two before, but Ernie, I'll never forget the conversation in that Steph Curry draft. I, I sat there with him. It was after they hired Flip Saunders. Uh-huh. They hired Flip Saunders right before that draft. I'm pretty sure that was when I had a conversation with him because I actually had conversations with Ernie for a few years, like before drafts and after drafts, but he would never do it on the air. Um, well, but that, but I that, said this 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 is how Ernie kept his job. I know. I, so one of <laughs> one of the things I said to him, I go, Steph Curry is going to be a really good pro. He's got the quick release. He's got the handle. And he goes, ah, I like Curry. He goes, I like Harden. 
And I said, ah, man, I don't like Harden. If you watched Harden at Arizona State, he stumbled and bumbled around as a ball handler and everything else. He was right about Harden. Yeah. Totally right about Harden. But um, in this particular draft, there are some guys that I really like. I'm going to save most of it for Thursday. Okay. But I can tell you this, and he will be there at 9, you know, according to most of these mock drafts. I love Keldon Johnson out of Kentucky. To me, he looks like a big-time NBA scorer. A big time, you know, two guard scorer. I like a lot of the Kentucky players. I I like um, I like Tyler Harrell. I like Harrell a lot, a lot. He can really shoot it. He's being projected, I think, to go before before Keldon Johnson. Keldon Johnson to me is really good. I like um, Brandon Clark from Gonzaga a lot. I think he looks like a big time pro. You know, Gonzaga is going to have two guys probably taken in the top fifteen, top twenty. This year, I'm giving you guys that are going to be more likely than not based on the mocks right now will be there at nine. I don't know anything about the French guy that that a lot of the people have the Wizards taking. Siku Dumboya, I guess it's pronounced. He plays for Limoges over in, in France. And a lot of people like him. I haven't looked long and hard enough at him. Not a big Jackson Hayes guy from Texas. But and I'm not a big Cam Reddish guy either. Who could be there, right, Aaron? Could be there at nine. Yeah. Um, I do. I am very intrigued with Darius Garland. Like if the Wizards did get the fourth pick overall, and Barrett and Morant and and Zion are all gone, which I think we're expecting, I am intrigued by Darius Garland because he does look like, and he only had a chance to play how many games at Vandy? Two, three. Not many, yeah. Um, before he got hurt. Um, but he looks like one of those guys that could, you know, average twenty and you know, in seven or eight, nine assists. Garland's not gonna be there though, probably, right? No, I'm saying if they were to trade Beal oh, and have okay. number gotcha. four overall. Gotcha. Um, which obviously they, they would be doing here shortly. Oh, I'm not a I'm not a big DeAndre Hunter fan either. Not a big DeAndre. I am a Kobe White fan. I think he's gonna be a good NBA point guard. Um, but I'll have uh Tommy on Thursday, I'll have more official Picks and don't picks for the Wizards. But, you know, I'm sure Ted and Zach have it all figured out. Yeah, I'm sure they do. Sure they got it all figured out. Um, All right, more uh, NBA before we circle back to the Redskins because there was some news this morning that you you just told me about, and we'll finish up the show with that. Um, Didn't have a chance yesterday to talk about the Anthony Davis trade. Anthony Davis going to the Lakers. For Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart. I'm a big Josh Hart fan. Um, and multiple, you know, first round picks, including the fourth pick overall in this upcoming draft. Look, the bottom line is, is that the Lakers just added Anthony Davis, which they were trying to do, you know, before the trade deadline. And LeBron's got a chance in LA with the Lakers to compete for a title again. And you know, Aaron mentioned this before the show, and it's true. They also have still a huge, you know, slot, max slot that available. Could, that could be a, a, a place for Kyrie Irving. Or Kawhi Leonard. Although I think Kawhi will end up with the Clippers, and I think the Clippers with Kawhi Leonard in their roster could be a contender as well. But with Golden State down two of their three best players for 2019 or most of it, it's not, you know, it's not crazy to think the way the sports books have thought, which is the Lakers are the favorite right now to win the title next year. They, 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 with that trade, they became the favorite, right, Aaron? They became what a three to one, three to one favorite to win the title. 
By the way, I hate this. There's just something about LeBron that drives me nuts. And the fact that he was able to get this done, get his coach out, uh, get, get the coach. Now, they, they didn't hire the coach he wanted in Ty Lue yet. Uh, or they didn't hire Ty Lue. I think he, that was the only thing missing from this offseason. But he gets Anthony Davis on a team with still Kyle Kuzma. All right, that's a really good team before yeah. they even add the next star. Go ahead, Kyrie. Go to the Lakers. <laughs> I mean, have at it, you know, and 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 tag along with LeBron. Even though Kyrie was great in that series when they beat the beat the Warriors for the title, um, it is a deal in which the Pelicans did very well. It it good for them that they didn't deal him before the trade deadline, and their patience paid off in a major way. This is a big-time win for, in my view, the Pelicans as well, who were going to lose Anthony Davis eventually. And now they get a boatload for Anthony Davis. LeBron wins for getting Anthony Davis and, by the way, keeping Kuzma. And, you know, who knows what the balls will do in New Orleans. Yeah, I know. You know, I, I there was part of me that wanted to see Zion, that wanted to see Anthony Davis stay. And see him play yeah, with Zion Williamson. Agreed. I would have liked to have seen that. And he he would have gotten more money if he stayed in New Orleans. That's the phenomenon that's going on in the NBA that they, they didn't really expect. Uh they, they they built in this 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 in the collective bargain agreement, this ability for teams to pay their own players to, to keep them from leaving, and it's not having any impact. I mean, players are walking away from forty, fifty, sixty million dollars. The part of the to league go that play I hate. with another team. It's the part of the league that I hate. I just don't. I can't stand the stars. You know, figuring out the places they want to play and going there together. I, it's certainly you know doable in the system they have. What's going to be interesting is to see what New Orleans. Let's say they don't trade for Beal. They don't trade the number four pick. I don't think they. I don't think Beal's going anywhere. You by know, the way, do they take Jared Culver? Do they take? Do they take a guy like Darius Garland? Even though they just traded for a point guard, you know, in Lonzo and Lonzo Ball. But you know that team, New Orleans, with Ball and Holiday and Zion um, and Randall. You know, they're not. They're not a contender, but it's a. It could be a few years down the road, a really good basketball team. It's, it's watchable. It's watchable down the road. You, you know this about the NBA. Young, super young teams don't win. They don't. Milwaukee's an example of that this year with a you know the, the one of the brightest young stars in the game. You got to earn it. You got to learn how to do it. And veteran players and veteran teams typically win titles. But New Orleans, three four years from now, could be a really good team as well. I think they did very well in the in the deal and good for them and Griffin that they waited and they were patient. And they were able to pull in an enormous haul of picks and players. Yeah, I'm for happy Anthony for Davis. Them. Like I told you, when I was in New Orleans in January, you wouldn't even know there was an NBA team in town. They are invisible in that city. Now, I'm thinking Zion Williamson's going to, at least this year, yeah. will have a big impact on that. You know, remember when um, when uh, Durant got hurt in Game 5 and the headline in the Daily News was Knicks lose Game yeah, 5? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know if there was a headline the other day when Anthony Davis ended up you know, going to L.A. in this trade, but that's another big blow to the Knicks because now he's not 
headed there. Durant's not headed there. And now Kyrie may be headed to the Lakers. So the Knicks will end up with basically R.J. Barrett and not a hell of a lot more yeah. you know, out of this offseason unless they end up signing somebody like Kemba Walker or somebody like that. Um, but you know that this is one of those deals where LeBron got what he wanted, the Lakers become immediate contenders, but New Orleans did super well also. The NBA, you know, I don't love this as much as the games, Tommy. You know that about me. I I love the NBA Finals. Now all the draft and the free agency stuff, it you know some of it bores me, especially the you know the the, the way these players team up to go places. Um, I am interested to see what Kawhi does, though. I hope he stays in Toronto. If he ends up with the Clippers, if he ends up in Los Angeles with the Clippers, that is going to be a pretty good team. That's a team that without him took two games from Golden State in the first round. Yeah, yeah. You know, and they've got some guys that can play. Um, that would be an interesting team to watch if Kawhi ends up with the Lakers, uh, with the Clippers. He, I, th- please don't go to the Lakers, Kawhi. No. You go to a place where you, as Aaron said earlier, where you can, you know, essentially, what did you call him? I said he's the Mary Poppins of the NBA. He floats into, <laughs> saves a, saves this, and he yeah. brings them a championship, then floats on to the next one. I don't know if he could win a title with the Clippers. He could win another one in Toronto next year. They could definitely, you know, get to the finals again next year with him. Look, at he, anyway. he doesn't seem like a kind of guy who courts drama. And if you're playing on a LeBron team, you're signing a drama contract. Yes, you are. Um, Quick reminder that if you're listening to us on iTunes, rate us and review us. That's helpful for us. Also, subscribe. Doesn't cost you anything. That's helpful as well. Um, And let anybody know that uh, wants to listen that hasn't listened to listen at thekevinsheehanshow.com if it's easier for them to do so. We've got a website, thekevinsheehanshow.com, where it's very easy for people who don't do podcasts to listen to this one. Um, Before we get to the story that you just told me um, during our brief break, uh, which sort of broke here as we were on the air this morning, um, I just wanted to mention about the U.S. Open, and Scott will be on with us on Thursday, and we'll talk a little bit more about it. But Scott told me, I don't know, it was two or three years ago, that Gary Woodland's like one of the most well-liked players on the tour and one of the best guys, you know, and the best dudes on, on tour. That was a popular win. If you watch that and you saw the player reactions and, and read some of what the players thought about the win, they loved that Gary Woodland um, won that. Gary Woodland's been a big hitter, like long, you know, uh, hitter of the golf ball for for a long period of time, and he's won on tour before. Um, but it was kind of cool to see that. It was funny because after Friday's round, I think there was this sense, even though it's the U.S. Open and he hasn't been in that spot, there was this sense that he's good enough. Like he's good enough to win this thing, and he did. Yeah. I had Justin Rose in my golf pool, so I was sort of rooting for Justin Rose. And the way Sunday started with Kepka birding four of the first five holes, which was incredibly dramatic, I thought Kepka was going to end up winning this thing. Um, but Woodland winning it was a popular win, and for him to do it by, you know, draining an unnecessary birdie, he didn't need it. Could have three putted from there, but to hit that thirty footer on eighteen. Um, really ended it in in dramatic fashion. Um, uh, you know, Tiger. You know, the, the Woods weekend. I thought he was so close Thursday and Friday to posting much better scores than he did, and then Sunday it looked like he was mailing it in early with four bogeys, and I then read, he came back to shoot two under on the day. That he quit. 
he quit on the course early in the in early in that round. It really did look like on Sunday, Tiger and you 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 rarely see this. Tiger just wanted to get the hell out of Dodge, and then all of a sudden, here he comes, and he goes six under the rest of the way to shoot two under um, in that final round on Sunday, which uh, which really was uh, yes, you're right. I, I in watching that early on Sunday because I was watching Tiger's round. They you know they basically still show every Tiger shot. I kept thinking to myself, wow, he's really he really doesn't care, or maybe he's hurt. Steve Sands sent me a text. He said Tiger's just off today. And I said, is he hurt? He goes, no, he just doesn't look interested. And then after those four bogeys in the first six holes, he puts up six birdies. In the in in the last twelve holes to shoot two under sixty nine in the final round and nearly finish with a top twenty finish, um, but anyway, uh, he says he's not going to play a lot leading up to the British Open, which is in Ireland uh, this year at Portrush. All right, um, read to everybody what you found on page six. Page six of the New York Post. God, I miss reading that. I used to read it all the time. You know that that should be our goal, Kevin, yeah. to wind up on page six. According to a report on page six, Dan Snyder, with his new $180 million, uh, 93-meter, 3,000-ton mega yacht, is in Cannes in in France for some kind of international marketing and advertising uh, convention. And he's there to basically, according to page six, basically pitch uh, potential sponsors for his new football stadium. He's in town to find a title sponsor for the team's new stadium, according to page six. Uh, Monday night, Snyder hosted a dinner and party on board with guests including Judy Julie Haddon, SVB Global Brand, and Consumer Marketing for the NFL, and Andy Srebus, Chief Marketing Officer of Outfront Media. Uh, according to one con source, told page six, Dan and his team are here to find a title sponsor for the new stadium for the Redskins, and they are taking meetings with brands and marketeers. However, another source said, uh, basically, uh, that uh, a second source insisted that Snyder, uh, they're just basically in con to mingle. And there's no particular courting of sponsors being involved. He's over there a lot. You know, over the last ten years, he's spent a lot of time um, in in the south of France and also on the Amalfi Coast in Italy. Um, so it's not unusual for him to be there. I think Alex, there is something. Alex Marvez, who's from Syria, Fox. Yeah, Fox. Uh, I heard some top Redskins football execs are on this trip as well. Okay. Um. That's not unusual either. A lot of he ends up bringing a lot of the well, his friends for, in the organization. Well, Cooley, friend, Cooley's friend, gone on some let, of those let, trips. Let's use the word friends loosely. Well, I, I just I've heard about some of these yacht parkings on the south of France. When people are on your payroll, they're not friends. <laughs> well, anyway, um, what's not here in this story at all is where the hell's the new stadium going to go? Yeah, like do you? 
can you of course you can start pitching you know and trying to find the sponsor for your new stadium by saying here are you know here's what the new stadium is going to look like this is where it most likely is going to be we're taking early meetings to figure out interest level because you know we've got an announcement coming in the next six months or something um but there's nothing in here that suggests where the stadium will end. Because to be honest with you, I couldn't give a shit what it's called. I just want to know where it is yeah. and what it's going to look and, like. And we have a we we differ- and how he gets a deal done. I don't care if it's on his. You know, what did you say? How long was it? A hundred eight? Uh, no, ninety meters or something 90, like that. So what is that? About three hundred? That's like a three hundred footer, something like that. Yeah. Jesus, God, that's, that's a big boat. Yeah. That's a big boat. Maybe that's where the new field's going to be, right on the yacht. Yeah, that's bigger than a football field. What's, what is a, uh, what's, what's a meter equal? Like, just over three feet, right? Something like that? 90 meters is 98 yards. So 93 meters would be yeah, over. 98 times three, so it's about 300, yeah. 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 Um, the length so, of a football field, which I'm sure is not an God, accident. My God. God, that's a big boat. Listen, you and I have, uh, disagree on what's going to happen with the stadium. Uh, I think he's going to wind up staying right where he is. I think it's going to end up in D.C. I don't, I don't see so. On the RFK site. I don't see that happening. By the way, I, I mean, I mean, the, the D.C., the Redskins' top cheerleader for the stadium, Jack Evans, you know, just know. took another beating uh, publicly with all co- kinds of questions about his ethics behavior on on the metro board uh i don't know who's going to champion uh, a vote for a new stadium for the redskins if it's not jack evans well bruce was down there the other day with muriel uh, bowser right for some uh, yeah but function. i i know that's that, where jp got the interview i know that the, bruce the vote if it happened a year ago i know would have been seven to six uh, so so just like the baseball let, stadium let's just vote. say let's just say that you're right okay and they have to stay in landover where are they going to play when they're building that new stadium? That's a good question. How much land do they own there? I don't know, but do you you think they could just build it side by side? Well, I mean, Maybe. other other, okay. other state they did that in Philly mm-hmm. with the vet. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've done they did that in Chicago with Comiskey Park. You're right. They did that at Yankee Stadium. Yeah, and it's in Shea cert- Stadium. It certainly is a Big ass property out yes. there. Yes, so I mean, so, conceivably they, they could do, they okay. could do that as well. But that's interesting that Dan Snyder made page six. I think he's made it before. Oh, I'm sure he has. <laughs> How can we make page six? Wouldn't well, that be great if we made page six? It wouldn't have anything to do with a 90 meter yacht. No, it, it wouldn't. Although it would be great to be on one. Yes, and be invited to one. Um, all right, so. The, breaking news sort of he's just over there looking for a sponsor yeah i mean i would think given that they want a new stadium you know opened up by 2027 at the latest right that's when the 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 lease you know it doesn't run out but that's when they could get out of it or whatever it is and i'm sure companies are are walking the gangplank lining up to be a sponsor for the Redskins' new stadium that's that's a more interesting aspect to the story is just how marketable is a Redskins new stadium yeah. for advertisers. You know what's interesting? For a lot of reasons. Yes, for a lot of reasons. Uh, it's interesting that the, the learners have still never sold the naming rights to Nats Park. What do you even get for naming rights these days? Because I, I, I think I read something not that long ago that basically the studies on stadium or arena naming rights essentially proved out that 
it, it wasn't that worthwhile. I never to thought put your it name was. My, my gut reaction, I never, I never understood. And because it. of that, the prices for it came down significantly probably. over the years. That, that's probably the case, and and that'd be great if it stayed Nats Park and Remember, it wasn't named, you know, Seven uh, Eleven Field or Shake Sack Stadium or something like that. What was the uh, the the Raven Stadium? Was it PSI Net? Was that what it was? That company was like basically a startup company, tech yeah. company in, in the Dulles Corridor, I think, an internet you know, uh, company. And they basically, I think, went out of business before. <laughs> they they sp- Spending the, as much money as they did on the stadium really impacted their yeah, business in yeah. a negative way. I think I could be wrong about that one and, and be thinking about another one. But some of those early naming rights deals were huge deals for the teams. But I don't think they really penciled out for the advertiser, for the title sponsor. I don't I, I, naming sponsor. I don't think they did. But I don't know. Um, all right. What else did you do? I got nothing else. I got nothing else either. Uh, back tomorrow, we'll do some draft stuff. I'm going to have uh, try to get a couple of people on the show to talk draft. Tommy will be back Thursday, and I'll give you the uh, players that I would love the Wizards to consider and the players that I don't want the Wizards to consider. And at that point, by the way, we may know for sure that they're picking at nine because there's still a chance between now and Thursday that they could trade Bradley Beal to New Orleans and get the fourth overall pick in the draft. They're not trading Bradley Beal. I would trade Bradley Beal for the right deal. And well, I Well, listen, if I if I was the new if I if I was a new GM, which they don't have, I trade Bradley Beal. I think but uh they're not trading him. May come down to what Ted and Zach think. They're not Maybe what Zach thinks. Well, then they're not dealing him. <laughs> uh it's not an attractive job right now. Um, it just isn't. It's a start over, really. Listen, and I think they should give the job to Steve Buckhans. Me too. Absolutely. I'd give the job to Buck. Yeah. Um, all right. Thank you, Tommy. Thank you, Aaron. Have a great day. Back tomorrow.